What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. Today's episode is a special one, especially for those of you who've expressed interest in potentially enrolling in our education. I brought Dr. Lance Enerson, Nick Stram, Larry Geyer, and Mary Banks all onto the show so that we could talk about how the evolution at Active Life has evolved to meet the needs that live between the fitness and healthcare industries. When you're done with this with this with this podcast, or even now, it's up to you. Uh, feel free to go down to the show notes, and you're going to find a few opportunities. One of those opportunities is to download a document that's going to outline all of the stuff that we talk about. It's a full course description. So, the curriculum, a description of each course within the curriculum, why we have those courses. You can download it so you can see everything that you need to see uh, about what ALP is. Additionally, there's a link down in the show notes that's going to afford you the ability to book a call. So if you think that changing careers and becoming an ALP is something that you are interested in doing, by all means, jump down there, click the schedule a call link, and we'll chat with you. If it's a fit, we will ask you to enroll. If it's not a fit, we will refer you somewhere else or simply tell you that we don't think you should do it. And that does happen all the time. A frustratingly high amount of time we are telling people this isn't for you. The most common reason is we don't believe they are going to enjoy the course content. We don't believe that they are inspired by the course content. The interest is more to make more money as a coach. And we respect that and we appreciate that and we make referrals for people who want to do that. This is for people who have understood that what you can do as a coach is more limiting than you would like it to be. You're tired of scaling for people. You're tired of modifying for people. You're tired of sending people to physical therapists and having them tell them, stop doing that. You're tired of sending people to doctors and having the doctors say, you shouldn't work with that gym anymore. You want to be able to start building a relationship with those doctors. You want to start to be the other person sitting at the table with the physical therapist, with the chiropractor, with the athletic trainer, with the orthopedist, with the physiatrist, with the medical doctor. You want those professionals to hold you at a level of esteem that they believe makes you even referable for the patients who they have finished care for or who are not a fit for their care. It's only if you want to be that kind of professional that ALP is a fit for you. And that is not the case for everybody. Helping people get faster at their 40-yard dash, not an ALP. Helping people pack a bunch of weight onto their bench press, not an ALP. Helping people get jacked, not an ALP. And those are things that we still need to happen. So if that's who you are, you don't need to book the call. If you are the person who wants to sit at the table with those medical professionals and fill a void between the fitness industry and the healthcare landscape, then please, by all means, book a call. Click the link below to book the call. Click the link below to see the course outline to identify if you think that the efficacy is there and you want to do it. Listen to this podcast and give yourself the opportunity to decide for yourself. Finally, as I discussed on the last podcast, I am going to be reviewing one review of this podcast every week and inviting the person who gave my favorite review onto a one-on-one 15-minute coaching call. So if you listen to this podcast and you enjoyed it, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us that five-star review. Then write the reasons why you love this podcast. Screenshot it. Send it to me at Dr. Sean Pastuch on Instagram. I'm going to review every week my favorite reviews and choose one of you for a 15-minute absolutely free coaching call so we can work through some of the problems that you're dealing with in your business, get them solved, help you feel more fulfilled, and make more money. 
absolutely free. Let's get you to the podcast. Mary, Lance, Nick, Larry, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, yeah thanks. You. You're welcome. I like the chorus. We're going to figure out how we're all going to interact on the show. By, by, by 15 minutes, I think it'll be smooth. Until then, we need all of you to uh, bear with us as we navigate conversation on Zoom amongst the group. The reason that we're here is to discuss why we believe education between the fitness and the healthcare industries is necessary, what our education is doing, how it's evolving, and what kinds of problems it solves. And so why don't we get right into it? We'll talk to Nick first. Nick, you're responsible for the sales department at Active Life. So you're the one who's getting the questions from people coming in the door on a regular basis. You suggested that this is a podcast that you thought would be valuable. Why is that? What are, what are people looking to understand about the education that we put out? Yeah. Well, one of the posts we've made on Instagram and our Facebook group in the last six, seven months, that was one of our most popular posts, was that we are no longer selling seminar or immersion and explaining why. And a lot of people who've done seminar and immersion and a lot of people who have been wanting to do seminar and immersion had a lot of questions based off of that. Um, but the big reason is just we have been doing seminar and immersion for a while and realized it was a good way to get people almost to the end line, right? But not quite where we wanted people to be. And we were inspired to really rebuild it from the ground up and create a program that it didn't just make people a better coach in the CrossFit gym or in the gym that they were in, but it made them a categorically different type of professional. It made them world-class at doing this thing, not just capable of helping the person who's a one-off who has some shoulder pain or has some back pain, whatever the thing is. Immersion and seminar did that really well of being able to take the average coach and give them some tools to help when clients had some aches and pains or limitations. But we wanted to rebuild it into something that made professionals world-class at solving those problems so that it became the only thing that they did. Um, anyways, I, I think that that answers your question. It does. Go, go ahead. You, you said, but, so what's the next part? Go for it. No, you, you go, you go, you had the, but. All right. All right. So what I was going to say is a lot of conversation came from that post that really illustrated that in the last six months where a lot of people who had done immersion and seminar were like, okay, well, what does this mean for me? Like if I've done immersion and seminar, should I do ALP? Should I not do ALP? Do I already know everything that's in it? And a lot of people who are interested in seminar and immersion had some of the similar thoughts of like, well, is ALP still for me? If what I was interested in was seminar and immersion. Um, and a lot of conversation came from that. So I wanted to connect on this podcast to be able to speak to many people at once instead of only being able to speak to one person at a time around if it's appropriate for them or not. One of the things that I thought made this podcast necessary is we, we did a really good job for a long time of being the company who could be able to illustrate to people that we can help you get out of pain without going to the doctor or missing the gym. Awesome. And while we're still not a company who would say, come to us to get the best fitness in the world, it's not who we want to be. Uh, we've evolved well past simply getting out of pain without going to the doctor or giving up the gym. 
the first course that we added to what used to be immersion was Lance, the breathwork course that you had built out. And I would love for you to share a little bit about why is breathwork important? We all breathe. So like, what do I need a course on how to do it? And I was with the guys this past week at a RPM training, which is the company that used to make jump ropes and apparel. They now make jump ropes, apparel, and they have a platform to deliver fitness and fitness education on. And I was trying to explain to them the value of the breathwork education. And I found myself in a position where I'm like, I'm just going to ask Lance about this on the show next week. So yeah. if you if you could share how that how that adds to it, that would be great. Yeah. So everything that we experience is through the lens of our nervous system, right? So if anything that you're doing, whether you're lifting something heavy, whether you're having sex, whether you're walking on the beach, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're experiencing it through the lens of your nervous system in the state that you're in. The big thing with the breath is that that is our gateway into changing the state of our nervous system. We have uh, we have a lot of control over that. We can control the way that we feel. We can control the way that we respond. Now, that doesn't mean that we're never going to be uncomfortable with a situation or in a conversation or that every workout's going to feel easy. But what's very valuable about it is that we give our clients, so the people that we work with or the coaches that we train, help them become active life professionals and the clients that they end up working with, we give them tools and anchors that they can use throughout their entire day. It's not just, hey, you can use this while you are in the gym so that you don't gas out in your workouts too quickly. It's, hey, you can use this to help to manage that anxiety that you mentioned that you're struggling with when you're having these difficult conversations with your teenager or with your boss. Or you can use this to, to help yourself to, to zoom out so that you don't get such tunnel vision when you know that a difficult conversation is coming up or when you're stuck in traffic and there's the guy with the road rage that's behind you and you have to keep your cool. And, and being able to do that and to give somebody a tool like that is incredibly empowering, not only for the individual, but also for those professionals, those, those fitness professionals, because it helps them to see the type of impact that they can have on, on individuals' lives. And beyond so that, Sorry, keep going. Yeah. And beyond that specifically, in terms of helping people to get out of pain, there's not very many, there aren't very many things that are more effective than tapping directly into the nervous system to help people to manage that, to understand their own bodies, to, to know what the sensations mean and to remove to a large extent, a lot of the fear and uncertainty that comes along with, with pain and injury. When, look, I, I have three kids, age three, five, and seven. And when they start losing their shit, the yeah. first thing I ask them to do, and, and look, this is, this is my rudimentary understanding of breath work, and, and yours is far more extensive than mine. Our ALPs is far more extensive than mine. I, I ask them to stop and just take three deep breaths. Yeah. And then after three, I'm like, let's do three more. And we keep on going until you can actually see their body change yeah. and, and, and they're ready to have a conversation more readily. What's an example of something that we go through in the breathwork part of ALP that someone listening to this right now could potentially do and feel a state change from so that they can understand what we're describing when we talk about breathwork? Yeah. 
Well, I'll, I'll give you two really quick, easy examples. One of them is a physiological sigh. And a physiological sigh is just two inhales that are stacked on top of each other and then an exhale. So it's just, okay, so you can just do two in through your nose and one out, one out through your mouth. And so there, there are quite a few uh, you know, studies and things on, on this going back to like the 50s. Uh, so it's something that's been looked at pretty, pretty extensively, but essentially what it does is it creates a pattern interrupt in, in your nervous system. So like when you get really focused in and dialed in on that thing, particularly when you're very stressed or like, you're kind of like catastrophizing that gives you an opportunity to zoom out. Right. And that's a, that's a tool that you can use in the moment. Like it's so not that, just in the workout, it's anywhere during the day. That's a, that, that's a quick breath through the nose with another quick Two. breath through the nose stacked on top mm -hmm. of it. And then yep. just breathe it out through your mouth. Yeah. So. Okay. That's it. Super, super easy. Right. And you can do that anywhere. It's not like, Hey, you know what? Can we, can we pause this conversation? I need to go out and, and meditate for a few minutes. I need to take a lap around the block and do this protocol. And then we'll come back and we'll, we'll finish this conversation because in, that doesn't work. Right? right. That's not, that's not reality. We don't get to push pause just because we're struggling, Right. but we can do something like a physiological side. Is the exhale through the mouth or through the nose? Does it matter? No, not really. The, uh, the protocols that have been studied though, uh, if I remember correctly, it's, it's through the mouth and so that's the most common way to do it. Your, your role in this meeting, in this podcast is largely the person who is making sure that there's efficacy to the course content that we put out, mm -hmm. uh, that the course content that we decide to put out is also relevant. So we did a podcast a while back. I should have been more prepared. I should have looked at the number, but I didn't know this was going to come up. What is, what is the practice that you go through to ensure that there's both, well, let's start with efficacy because maybe we'll talk to Mary about relevance because she's responsible for curriculum. So Mary, yeah. put that, put that in your head. That'll be, that'll be yours next. We'll talk about the relevance of the content and why we decide to do what we decide to do. Yeah. So you're asking what, what do I do to make sure that the, whatever thing that we're doing that actually works? Yes. I'm pulling up my phone because I would love to read something to you from a follower who sent me a message today. Uh, you know, a lot of what we put out is, um, what's the way I would describe it? Uh, it's counterculture, especially to fitness and healthcare, right? Because healthcare mm -hmm. is used to, they have the, um, the final say, you know, the, the God complex, if you will. And fitness has the complex of Napoleon, which yeah. is like, I'm going, no, I'm going to prove that I can do this also. And what we're saying is you're actually both great at things. Just not this thing in between where the two of you live that you both want to take claim over. Yeah. Uh, that's where there needs to be more. So someone sent me a message earlier today that basically says, you know, where do you get credible information and, and what kind of doctor are you? So basically, she said, it's difficult for me to make it through any of your podcasts. And I explained that where, where I get information about the scope of what a physical therapist or a chiropractor is, is directly from the malpractice insurance companies. Like if you're a physical therapist and you're working with somebody in your clinic on improving their back squat and they hurt their knee and you didn't have medical cause for it, they weren't working towards an ADL and uh, there wasn't there wasn't a medical diagnosis and that person gets hurt, malpractice is not going to cover that. They would need to have professional practices, liability insurance through a personal training license. Mm -hmm. That means it falls outside of the scope of a physical therapist or a chiropractor in that state. But mm -hmm. the reasonable question is, 
if your stuff isn't uh, accredited through licensure, like all these other things are, like a physical therapy degree, like an athletic training degree, like a massage therapy degree, all mm-hmm. of them. How do we know that what you're putting out there has efficacy? Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So here, a good example with the breathwork stuff is that that started out as me scratching my own itch, you know, of struggling severely with, with anxiety for most of my life and needing to find answers. Right. And when I was on my pursuit for those answers, I, I wasn't willing to just go to the, you know, the guru, right. Of like, Hey, here's something on Instagram. Here's, here's a student who has a bunch of followers. I'm just going to do what this person says. Right. So I had to go out and do some research and dive down the rabbit holes myself. And a lot of that happened while I was in physical therapy school. So it would be, Hey, this is something that I'm interested in. This is something that I'm finding is working. Why? How is this working? How can I find good information on this? And so I I would ask my, my professors and they didn't know. And then I would go out and do, do my own research. And that research isn't just like, Hey, I'm going to Google this. I'm going to go find the thing. It's I'm going to go explore the medical journals. I'm going to go explore the, you know, the psychology journals and see the way that these protocols are affecting these people. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to present this through the lens of a physical therapist, of somebody who's helping people with physical practices. And I'm going to see how it works. I'm going to see if this is going to be working with my clients. I'm going to see the different impact that this has had on, on my own life. And through that process, I was able to find, Hey, you know what? These things, you know, these few things work really well, or these four or five principles are in every single study that looks at the breath. And these are the variables that we need to be able to manipulate to change the way that people feel. And in the end, that's how the breathwork course was born. Orthopedic considerations, on the other hand, that was through my education as a physical therapist. So how do you make sure that, so orthopedic considerations, give people a little bit of a background. What's that course about? Why do we decide to include it? Yeah. So orthopedic considerations was essentially the, or the idea behind this was that we, we wanted to take coaches and we want to turn them into active life professionals. So that means they need to be able to think like a physical therapist, but stay within their scope as a coach. And so our intention was to boil down the orthopedic aspects of a physical therapist's education and to be able to give all of those points to the, to the, to the coach so that they will be able to recognize, Hey, these are all the things that are going on. I can speak the language of the physical therapist. That doesn't mean that I'm going to be infringing on the scope of the physical therapist, but I can speak the language. I can see what's going on. And because I can see these things, I know exactly what is within my scope and what is not within my scope. I know when I can address this issue and help this person and move the needle in the right direction in their lives. And I know when I need to refer out, whether that's to a physical therapist, to a mental health professional, to their primary care doc, whatever. 
I can recognize these things. I can recognize the red flags. I can recognize, you know, these, these yellow flags, these uh, psychological factors that are going to impede the recovery of my client. And Lance, I want to jump, jump in on that for a second. One of the, one of the coolest things that I've seen as a result of that course is that which one are you talking about, Larry? Orthopedic considerations mm-hmm. is that both coaches and clinicians with whom I've discussed the curriculum both become excited by the idea of active life professionals becoming the kind of person that clinicians can trust to speak the language and understand how to more perfectly, more effectively, and more completely pick up where the clinician left off. One of the most, one of the most common frustrations and, and fears that I discuss with a lot of clinicians that I end up in conversation with about what ILP is for and who it's for and what it does is most of the clinicians that I've spoken to are smart and well-intentioned and they face the challenge of needing to cross their fingers after their work is done as has been incentivized by insurance and hope that that person does okay with the work that they were able to do in the amount of time that they had that insurance along them. And when they find out that there are people who are going to be groomed to be able to pick up where their work leaves off in a way that no one else has ever been educated to do so, they become very, very excited. So the idea that we're helping a professional know more clearly what their scope is not so that they can respect their scope more completely and that a clinician can more confidently hand someone off there. It's one of the coolest things that I've seen as a result of that course. So two, two things I want to ask there to Lance, then I want to move to Mary and talk about how we choose what we do for a moment. The first thing, Lance, is if you could explain specifically, how do we define the scope? How, how do, like you talked about people knowing that they need to make a referral. How do we let mm-hmm. someone know it's time to make a referral and that this is not within what they're responsibly able to do? And secondly, maybe you can answer this one first. Um, Larry was discussing uh, the scope as it pertains to insurance. And one of the things that we hear from physical therapists all the time, the reason I'm asking this one of you is because you, you are a licensed physical therapist who is working outside of that scope with clients at active life. You're not working as a physical therapist on behalf of active life. But if you're a physical therapist who doesn't take insurance, you work cash-based, there's the propensity to believe that your scope is somehow different than somebody who takes insurance. Yeah. Can yeah. you speak to those kind of, I mean, it might be one answer. That's why I put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think that like there, there's definitely some, some overlap there in terms of those, those two answers. Um, I think that working as a cash-based physical therapist, that gives you more options in the terms of the things that you're able to do because you're not inhibited by the bureaucracy of, of insurance, right? It's like, it's not some some dude in a cubicle kind of like, this isn't going to line up with what we're going to do. It's, you know, you make your own choices of what you feel is most valuable for, for your patients. I like and the that might, cubicle voice, by the way. <laughs> um, that, that might entail a lot more strength training than it would otherwise, right? Of somebody in a traditional outpatient orthopedic care clinic. But this comes back to the same things that you were talking about earlier, right? You know, like the, those malpractice malpractice uh, insurance claims like that's that's not going to cover that right and it doesn't mean that physical therapists especially cash uh, based physical therapists who often have 
extensive education and experience outside of just their physical therapy degree. Because really all that prepares you for is to be able to not accidentally kill somebody, uh, work with somebody in a hospital and pass a licensure test. That's what those, that's what that education prepares you to do. I know I have it right. That's, Mm -hmm. that's what I got from that. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean though, that all of these physical therapists are able to do these other things, even if many of them can, and they have the expertise and the bandwidth to do it. The industry of physical therapy makes it very, very, very difficult to do that. Very difficult. One of, In ter- oh, go ahead. one of the things that I've, I've told physical therapists who've come to me is that I do these things. How can you say physical therapists don't do them? I explain, I'm not saying physical therapists don't do them. I'm saying as a general rule, it's not what physical therapy was built to do. And so you are an exception to the general rule. And that's great. We need physical therapists like you in the world because there are enough people who do that and people need it. We're trying to build an industry that services the things that you do when you stretch beyond what the average person in your field wearing khakis tucked into a belt, you know, a, a colored shirt tucked into khakis with a belt on holding a clipboard is doing in their clinic. So continue. I'm sorry. I interrupted you before we talked about scope. Yeah. Yeah. So as, as for the scope, especially with the, with physical therapy and ALP, because that's the one where people think that there's the most overlap and that there's going to be the most uh, friction, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's, it's the opposite. So they're very synergistic. And this goes back to what Larry was speaking about, right? Of like, of knowing, Hey, when I get done with, with this, when we accomplish this goal, you know, this person just had a knee replacement and, you know, they're tapped out on their insurance. They're able to do all of their ADLs, you know, their activities of daily living. They can do those things. They can live independently. But maybe that person wants to be able to, you know, run a 5k on Thanksgiving with, with their grandkids. Cause that's something that, that they used to do in the past. And now it's just like, they're not quite there. You know, that's great for an ALP right? Because they can bridge the gap of where that person is, their ADLs to their ADIs, their activities of, of daily interest. So they why, can can't, why can't the coach those. do that? But why can't the coach do that? That's, that's, that's the argument from the other perfect. side now. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Again, back to what Larry said. Does the average coach know what to do to keep that person safe, to progress them efficiently from A to B without 15 pit stops along the way because they're not sure about the implications of the surgery of all of the things that have happened of the progression that's happened in the past and up to now. What's an example of that? Cause I think, I think genuinely, I believe most coaches would say, yeah, like if it bothers you, we're just going to not do it. If you're really sore the next day, we're just going to not do it. So, mm-hmm. so what's an example of that? And, and I would love to hear that. Okay. Yeah. Here, here's an example of an ALP. So this was somebody who's, who's finished with ALP and who's asking me this question. Okay. So it's somebody who is getting an ACL repair and that ACL repair for whatever reason, their insurance was not willing to cover any physical therapy afterwards. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know who this, who their insurance company was, but they need a new one right? <laughs> very badly. Okay. And he's asking, he's like, I don't feel comfortable with this. What, like, what should I do? How, how can I have this conversation with this person who wants to work with me? Because he's going to have to pay out of pocket anyway for physical therapy. 
and, and we talked about it and it's, it comes down to, um, it's, it's pretty clear. Okay. So if there's an acute thing, whether it's, Hey, I just bulged a disc in my back yesterday, or I have a disc injury, right. Or it's, I just got discharged from surgery and I haven't been through that initial acute post-op rehab. Those things blatantly outside of the scope of an active life profession. That's not what the active life professional does. The active life professional can pick up post-op, you know, that ACL repair. So let's say that this person's insurance now is willing to cover it. He goes through the kind of like a normal post-op ACL reconstruction um, rehab protocol, and he's doing pretty well. With a physical therapist. With a physical therapist. Yeah. Does it with a physical therapist. Able to do his, his ADLs again, right? But maybe he's, he's pretty weak on that side now. He hasn't gained back all of that strength, right? He's going to be discharged from physical therapy, you know, maybe, I don't know, 16 weeks or so after, after the, the surgery. That 16, in the, those 16 weeks, he's not going to be back to having, you know, full resiliency in that ACL. He's not going to be back to having full control of, of that knee. He's not going to be back to full strength on that limb. And if that person has any sort of physical goals outside of being able to walk around their house, or maybe walk their dog around the block, they're probably going to need some help to make sure that that still vulnerable graft stays intact and that they can, um, that they can safely progress from that state into, Hey, I want to be able to, you know, uh, go climb the Grand Teton this summer. Can I do that? Can you help me? I want to keep my knee safe in the process. So, so, but what doesn't the coach know? Because everything you described to me there sounds like rehab's over. Now it's just time Mm -hmm. to get strong. And a coach would be like, let's get it. That's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's knowing when to push and when to stop because of the implications of what has happened in the past. Right. Somebody who's coming off of an ACL surgery and the things that they're dealing with is not the same as somebody who is finishing up with a, a bout of patellar tendonitis. What's one right? specific difference? One specific difference is that with patellar tendonitis, let's say that this person is, you know, 95% recovered. They're just still a little bit achy. That's just connective tissue, right? That's just connective tissue there or, or um, you know, tendon tissue that's there near the surface. It's not within the joint. It's something that it's very easy to pinpoint. Oh, hey, this hurts. And poke it right? We know that this is what it is. We know what's going on with an ACL reconstruction. That's something that happens. That's something happening inside of the joint. It's not something that you're necessarily able to tell exactly what the progress is just by looking at somebody's leg, right? Because you're, you're giving the ACL time to strengthen time to recover and to lay down that, uh, that new tissue over the graft while you're strengthening everything that's around it. So if you're I'm strengthening understanding all you correctly, the musculature, all the other connective tissue. If I'm, if I'm understanding you correctly, it's the ALP understands where they're at in the healing process post-operative rehab, mm-hmm. even, even if it might seem to the naked eye and you watch that person walk around that they are done, their mm-hmm. healing process is over. We know better. We know that's not true. The ALP understands what healing is still left to be done, what exercises, what intensities, what frequencies, um, what rest periods, all of these kinds of things would perhaps, perhaps cause regression to the surgery that that person got. 
to the rehab that that person got post-operatively, where the coach um, understands how to build strength for healthy tissues. Correct. Okay. Um, thank you. That was helpful. The, the, the one that I always tell people is like, it's, it's simple to understand. Um, what would you do different for somebody with shoulder pain versus somebody who just had surgery, rehab, and four anchors are in their shoulder? What's the difference between the way that you would work with them on their first day? And if the answer to that question is, I'm, I'm actually not exactly sure, that's what we're teaching in ALP, right? It's the, it's the answer to, I'm not really sure. Well, now you are. Because one of our things is if you're not really sure, it's probably not advisable to take that person on as a client and make promises. Mary, I know you're dealing with some COVID right now. And so I appreciate you joining us. If yeah. you need to uh, hack up a lung and take a break, feel free to do so. You just throw yourself on mute. I'll let the audience know that's what's going on. How do we decide what, what coursework goes into the curriculum? So Mary's responsibility is curriculum, making sure everything that we have is up to snuff, is well-presented, can be distributed in a way that is easy to follow. And she basically says, yay or nay, we, we want this in the, in the content. Yeah. So we have an exceptional team. So obviously everyone here on this call, but then the team beyond who you're not seeing on screen or listening to right now. And we teach what we practice. And so that is how we kind of take that first level of filtering on what education goes into the curriculum. It's, have we done this before? Have we seen success? Have we maybe worked with some people on it? So when we're looking at the ALP curriculum, we have Dr. Ryan, who leads up our RX coaching department. And a lot of what went into the new ALP was, hey, we're, we, we do things differently in-house. We want to make sure we're teaching that way. Why would we do it one way and then teach it a different way? And so we've started to have some really great synergy amongst the departments to make sure that we're putting things into practice. We're learning from it because we're, we're also not going to say, hey, let's make this up and see if it works. And at the same time, give it to thousands of people to go through. Like instead, we're going to use our smaller subjects where we believe that this is going to be the right way of doing it. And then we can take that, say, yep, this is right. And then we have the team of educators who can now distill that down into a way of how do we teach someone else to do this? So that that's where I say we start. Well, I think, I think what you said there that was really valuable is the idea that we're, we always talked about once we started educating coaches and, and gym owners, we talked about the RX department as the lab. This is where we get the opportunity to experiment with clients who are entrusting us with their health and well-being. And we can experiment within the things that we know are safe and then lean into things that are working with, with outsized results. And for a while, more than a year, we were doing things that we knew were working with consistency within our team, and we weren't teaching it. And so we had people out in the world doing things because they had graduated the immersion course, for example. Uh, who had a false sense of confidence that they were doing everything that we were doing. And while it felt good to know that there were people out there doing things that other coaches were unable to do, helping clients in a way they were unable to get the help and making a living doing it, we weren't doing a great job of bringing the lab to the education. Mm -hmm. And so I think that uh, when we made a bunch of the changes 
to what we are as a company, created real roles, became a real business. Uh, that was really beneficial to be able to do these kinds of things. And and Nick, some of the stuff that we teach that we put in our lab is not only how to help somebody get out of pain. It's not only how to help somebody live with less stress and be more active and have a more fulfilling active life. One of our beliefs is that if if the reward of doing that work doesn't exist, doing that work won't happen. So we have to teach these people how to uh, speak to potential clients. And Mary, maybe we come back to you for that on the marketing side, but also how to sell it. So we teach our clients to sell in the same way that we would sell. Would you speak to some of the content that, that goes into that? Yeah. Rewinding to a little bit of what you mentioned of like immersion and not having everything that we implement as a company within immersion, this was another area that was the same. We, was, we had three calls. Two yeah, of them, yeah. two of them were educational. The third one was a review. I don't know what you're talking about. That was plenty. So I mean, we dabbled, right? Like there was sales and communication uh, were sprinkles on top of the cake for immersion, right? It was it helped, but it wasn't enough. It was enough for a lot of people, but not for everybody. So in ALP, the sales is now everything that we have that we would teach somebody internally to be able to ethically sell for us. Uh, Sean calls it ethical sales or consultative selling, really just to be able to figure out, is this person the right fit to work with us? If well, so- to, to be clear, it's it's not or. We have the trademark on okay. ethical sales. Ethical sales. Ethical sales. You can't, you, uh, can't, you can't do ethical sales unless you do it with us. It's our trademark. That's true. That's your trademark. <laughs> um, Government. So it's it's giving ALPs all of the sales and communication school skills skills that we would teach somebody internally if they worked for us when they're ALPs, right? And in this way, they're not just gaining more technical education but they can legitimately build a new career around this thing. And I think that's really important because if they have all of these technical skills and they don't have the professional skills to back it, it's not doing any clients any good because they're not going to have them and it's not doing them any good. What about the adage, but Nick, what about the adage of the cream rises to the top? And if you do a great job, you don't need to be able to sell. That's pretty consistent with how we teach them to sell, right? It's do a great job. So that people refer their friends and they come to you. That's the best way to get more referrals. But the ethical sales we'll teach is how do we communicate effectively with that person to be able to dig up all of the information to figure out truly if they're a good fit to work with us or not and how to refer them away if they aren't, how to get them enrolled if they are. So it, it, it at that point really can become becoming a gatekeeper for your service instead of going out and trying to pull people in and pull people in and pull people in and being like the sleazy used car salesperson, it's making sure that you're standing by the statement. You only let people work with you who are the right fit and you refer away anyone who isn't. Can I add to that? For sure. I was talking to a guy this week while I was out in California. He's a really, really, really good uh, coach. He works at a CrossFit gym and he's evolved himself out of CrossFit personally. He, he used to be a competitive athlete. He's had some injuries 
And he's found that it's an unsustainable way for him to train. And so he realizes that there are people in that gym for whom it's also unsustainable. So he started what he called a fit for life class with some basic education that he went out and got on his own, not, not from us. Um, what he was telling me is he has this class three days a week and there's 15 people in it each week. And most of the people who are in that class don't come to any other class in the gym. They only come to that class. They've been referred to that class, not to the gym, which is consistent with what we've seen and what we believe is a, is an untapped market who needs help everywhere. What he told me is the thing he doesn't know how to do. The reason why he needs help with sales is what do you say to the person who you believe you can help, who you know is struggling so that you don't walk over and make them feel bad about their struggle? How do you initiate the conversation with them so that they can decide to fix their problem with you if you believe you can fix their problem? And I, I just, I wished I had like a week with this guy one-on-one where we could just hang out and I could talk to him about, let's learn the six questions. Let's have conversations around those questions. Let's talk about the four truths, the four trusts that people need to have to buy. So the way that I see a lot of the sales that we teach people is less about convincing somebody to do something that they don't want to do and more of coaching somebody through a conversation that helps them decide if they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Can I add to that? I would love you to. I was going to ask you to. One of the, one of the biggest misconceptions that I've heard in, in all the calls that I've had with, with uh, people who have gone through education and people who have elected not to. Are you talking is, about people who've gone through ALP or people who've gone through immersion and are not yet into, AL, into ALP? Both and people who have not done either, uh, yeah. who have decided that they didn't want to because of the sales coursework. Uh, just this morning, I had a gentleman. Um, meaning, meaning they decided not to do it because they don't want to learn sales? Correct. Um, I had a gentleman this morning email me, hey, after careful review of the curriculum over my wife, we decided this isn't the best thing for me to do. I appreciate your time. And I asked him just so I can make sure I can better understand who should be doing this. Can you tell me the point at which you realized this wasn't for you? And he said, yeah. Um, when I saw the sales course work, um, um, it's not something that I'm interested in doing. And I, the, the conversation that I had with him around that, uh, that he hasn't yet responded to is outside of the scope of this. But the point is here. No, no, I want to hear it. I want to hear okay, it. Okay, fine. So the response that I gave him was, what do you believe is involved in the in the sales course? What is your current understanding of it? And what is your plan to effectively listen to and then communicate the means by which you are going to help people and what the relevant payoff is going to be from them on the other side so that they feel excited to pay the money that you would require to do your work that they feel uncomfortable spending? Uh, I also went on to ask him, if we sell, if if we could call ethical sales effective listening and communication, aren't you selling all day every day to the people that you love the most? And aren't you being sold to all day every day by the people that you love the most? And he hasn't yet responded. And I don't think that we should enroll him if he has that much of a negative attitude around it either way, but neither here nor there for now. The idea is that there's this misconception that to your point, John, People believe that selling is getting someone to do something that they shouldn't necessarily want or need to do. Whereas I see ethical sales, and I think that we've all seen ethical sales as the means by which we can coach someone through a conversation so they can arrive at the sufficient level of self-efficacy to decide that what they want to do is actually worth the time, money, and energy to do it because they believe that they're going to be able to, and they believe they are going to be capable of reaping the benefit on the other side. 
I have sympathy for people who are, are, are viscerally repelled by sales. Yeah, agree. Uh, because their experience has probably been someone tried to sell them something that they never should have tried to buy. And so now they're like, I don't want to be the person who sells someone something they shouldn't buy. And I don't want to take a course of teaching me how to do that. And I would ask people who feel that way to think of it very differently. There's, there's a simple example, which is if you're a coach and you tell somebody, hey, I want you to widen your hands a little bit. And that person does it. You just sold them the idea that their hands were in the wrong position. And this would be a better position for them. In order for them to have done it, the number of decisions that they need to make in their head that are yes, are you're probably not considering. They need to trust that you probably know better than them how to do this. They need to trust that you want them to do this well and enjoy it. They need to trust that they're going to be able to do what you just asked them to do. They need to trust that they're safe doing it the way that you asked them to do it. In order for you to get someone to move their hands, you need to have been a person who they are able to believe. The only difference is when we put money into it, you feel bad about asking people to give you something that you have a hard time asking for or giving somebody else. If we take it to the, a step further, think about somebody in your life who is doing something that you and they both know is, is not in their best interests. Maybe they have a toxic relationship with a significant other. Maybe they're working a job that they hate. Whatever it is. Maybe they're they're a substance abuser. Do you want to be able to talk to that person in a way that allows them to come to the decision that there are better ways to do this thing for them? Without having to tell them, you're throwing your life away. Stop already. Because... People fucking hate that. But what we teach as it pertains to sales is how do you have that conversation so that you're the trusted guide that that person wants to keep coming to, to have this conversation as long as is necessary until they're able to come to their own conclusions and their own decisions that they want to make this change. I think that's really important. I think that, you know, I've thought about the idea of calling sales something else, but it is sales. And we need to change the way that people think about that word. That's why we trademarked ethical sales. Only sell to people in the market for what you have and always sell to people in the market for what you have. The number of people who have cried on their initial call with us before they enrolled because they were so nervous about spending the money, who have since provided testimonials and referred their friends is huge. If we weren't comfortable in that moment talking to them about why they needed to buy, even though they were crying, they don't get the results. Yeah, let's 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 call it out for what it is. To a large degree, the person who isn't interested in or is afraid of sales is someone who is very very clearly projecting their own discomfort onto the other person. It's it's not that the other person. It's a you thing. (laughs) It's a you thing. If you don't want to do it, it's because you can't do it. Of course. And, and, and look, there's, there's always good reason for why. It's always a you thing, whether it's sales or you know, being, being unhealthy or being a workaholic. It's always a you thing. The question is why? And, and is there someone who can help you with it if you want the help? So 
Larry, I would love to hear from you because you are the person who is who is having most of the sales conversations, despite Nick being the person who is responsible for making sure those conversations are happening. Who are the people who are coming in right now and enrolling in ALP who in the past when we were a 13-week course? So to give some, some perspective here, um, we were a 12-week course with one overflow week. Now we're a 13-month course. And the 12-week course that we used to be represents less than 8% of the content that is included in the 13-week course. It used to be you would get a live video call every week. We would send you that video call in an email. You could download that video call and keep it forever. And if you missed that week, you could go back and watch it before next week. You missed two weeks in a row. Just make sure you watch the two weeks before you come on in your own time. Now, it's 13 months long, a few hours per week of pre-recorded content, regularly scheduled meetings with a directly assigned mentor whose full-time job is working at Active Life. They're not going to be talking to you in between classes that they're coaching. They're not going to be talking to you while they're walking up and down the halls of Home Depot. And they're not going to be coming to you uh, in their car as they drive from point A to point B. We have subject matter experts like Larry, yourself, like Lance, who are, like Mary, who are going to be able to work with you on things like your financial literacy to make sure you're charging the right price for the market in which you exist for in-person services, the right price online, that you're profitable, that your marketing is working, that your sales is working, that your schedule is well aligned so that you're not all over the place working 17-hour days like I used to. That has changed who's coming in. Who are you seeing coming in now, Larry, as compared to what we used to get? So Anderson Anderson Adams and ALP, who I already, I've gotten her permission to, to share her quote and she was excited to, to have me do that. She described, as someone who went from immersion and decided to, to enroll in ALP, she described the difference being uh, from after immersion, she was comfortable in the water, like she knew how to not drown, and she felt like she could swim from one side of the pool to the other. And after ALP, she felt like she had joined the swim team and had become very, very proficient on exactly what to do in the water, when, and what kind of situation. And I think the difference is we went from giving people a a handful of really good tools to helping people become legitimate technicians. And I think there's a big difference between those two because I, I could pass a hammer around this group of group of us. And I know that Sean, you would probably try to hit the nail in with the wrong end of the hammer, for example, and other people, other people on this call would know how to get the hammer in. And that's one thing. It's very different to take 13 months to receive the education, mentorship, guidance, and support necessary to understand exactly what tool to use to exactly what degree based on the person in front of you. And after I saw enough people who had gone through immersion, who still didn't have the work fulfillment that they wanted, the money they wanted in the time they wanted, I felt like as we all came together as a team, the question that we needed to collectively answer was, how do coaches and personal trainers create a career shift away from too many underpaid hours, unfavorable recognition by the healthcare community, and money that was not doing anything like what they needed for their families? 
towards a role in which physicians, physical therapists, and general physical professionals referred business to the ALPs to help people in ways that solved out problems outside of what both fitness and healthcare can do. And what we needed to do in order to answer that question was make sure that the four pillars of ALP were clear, robust, and very effectively delivered. Those four pillars being your technical coaching skills, your ability to identify, communicate, and solve problems with the skill set that you have as, as a practitioner, your ability to make sure that you could both attract the person you wanted to work with and effectively enroll them if you decided that you should be working with them, your ability to understand your finances better than you did before and establish a legitimate, sustainable, profitable business for yourself, and make sure that you knew who you were, what you wanted to do, and how you were going to do it in time that allowed you to start planning for houses, families, and vacations, doing work more completely and more efficiently than you were able to do before, so that you had a seat at the table with doctors and physical therapists. And instead of thinking, how do I compete with a physical therapist? It's how do I make this therapist realize that I'm their first line of defense after they're done with their job? How do I become the kind of person and present and talk in such a way that a physician says, what did you go to school for? How, how are you, how do you know that? What kinds of things have you been studying? Because the physician has been so inspired by the way you're talking about how you handle your clients and their patients that they're relieved and sleep better at night because they know that their patients are going to be so well attended to. And that's what we did. And 13 months is very, very different from a 10 or a 12 week course with respect to the depth of education that you get and the completeness, regularity, and attentiveness of, of mentorship that you receive on how to make sure that everything you're doing is done well and completely. And that instead of guessing, you have your hand held across the finish line if you need to. That was a great answer to a different question. I'm, I'm glad you said that. all of it. I, want, I yep. wanted you to finish it. I'm glad you said all of it. Now I'll repeat the previous question. Who is enrolling? What kind of people are enrolling now who you weren't seeing before? Oh, I see. Yeah, thanks. All right, guys, back to it. Take two. So <laughs> the, difference, the difference now is that um, we have registered nurses of nine years. 55-year-old grandmothers who are looking at this and understanding it and deciding, oh, I don't want to be an RN anymore. I want to be an ALP. They're making entire career shifts away out, out of the medical system. And that's not to say that one is better or worse, but they're seeing the completeness of what ALP is and what it can offer them in terms of the fulfillment of work they do. And they're deciding, I can shift away from work that's less interesting to me that I previously got into because it was interesting enough and it secured me the kind of money that I could start a family with. And now I see ways that I can do work that's more inspiring to me that could secure me the kind of money that I can make a family with or, or sustain my family with. And that's, that's pretty special because we need fitness, we need healthcare, and we need active life professionals. And the idea that now an active life professional is someone who can create the kind of career for themselves that previously um, you know, physicians, clinicians, and, and nurses were to the point that those professionals are considering making a career change in this direction is, is pretty inspiring. Yeah. The, this is a lesson for anybody out there who is struggling to write copy for your, for your, your prospects and clients. We heard enough people come in and say, this is like a totally different career. 
that we decided to start talking about enroll in ALP, go for a career change. Is it time for a career change? Do you want a different career? We started saying that in enough places and enough times that people who were like, yeah, you know what? I do. Whether they were coaches, nurses, teachers, 25, 55, started coming in and saying, I need a different career path, something that inspires me, something that earns me enough money to earn a living. And I want to try ALP. We took that language from our clients and our prospects. Your clients and your prospects are telling you things all the time that you're not writing down. And so you're not turning it into copy. People who you work with, people who you talk to should be sending you messages on a regular basis saying, hey, that you were inside of my head in that post, in that email, whatever it was. So speaking of that, Mary, I want to come back to you. Yeah. A word that I have a viscerally negative response to, like others do to sales, is, is marketing. And the reason why I have that response is that my, my experience in marketing, and, and especially in the fitness space, has been get rich quick, get a bunch of members now, make a bunch of money now, become a six-figure coach now, join this mastermind, show up on this screen with a hundred other people at the same time where I'm not going to know your name, I'm not going to answer your question specifically, and you're not going to get one-on-one help, but we're going to get you to your goal. And I've always felt like that was just a big crock of bullshit that was being stirred around. And I, I, I developed a negative connotation with the idea of marketing at all. I would love for you to talk about how we've built out marketing support for people inside of ALP that goes well beyond talk to more people like it used to. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, the basis of the marketing that we teach starts with the ALP really understanding who they help and how they help them and being able to articulate that. So everything that Lance talked about and everything we teach them, being able to help the person out post-op, right? It doesn't matter if you that person has no idea that you can help them. And what Nick and Larry talked about, being able to tell this person what you can do for them and get them to agree that this is the right path for me also doesn't matter if that person has no idea that you're there and that you're doing what you're doing. So marketing has a place because yes, we want referrals. We want to make sure that the work that we're putting out is is garnering referrals to people for people to come back to us. But that isn't the only way that we're going to reach people. And we have a pretty big mission of, of wanting to reach a lot of people. This this group of people who needs help is, is too big for only referrals to master. So we start with who do you help and how do you help them? And it needs to be condensed into such a way that it is, you feel it and you can look at one word and it makes very clear sense what problem that you're solving and the process through which you solve it. No one else does that. Everyone else is just like, come in, get started with classes. We write, even if they're like, we write you custom programming, like that's not enough. It's not saying, well, what happens from today to three weeks from now, when I hit this milestone to a year from now. And so we're teaching the ALPs what it looks like to create this journey 
And so that all of their messaging, like you said, someone can read and be like, I felt like you were talking to me. Well, if you have centered your messaging around who you help and how you help them, now you're able to connect with them, not just to say, hey, this might be for me, but oh, it might be for me. And I understand what my journey might look like with this person. So that's one piece of it. Um, We also, from there, we dive into copywriting content on your business media, on emails, website. We, We call social media business media because we believe you're either being monetized on it or you're monetizing it. So go on. Correct. Yep, exactly. Um, And so websites, business media, email, all of that content and copywriting, which includes your imagery and, and cadence and scheduling and things like that. We cover that. That's important. We have to cover it. But we also go into what kinds of seminars, workshops, events should you be running? What kinds of relationships should you be having with other businesses, whether they're online or local? And tying all of that together so that we can have a really well-rounded marketing program because all of your clients aren't going to come from Instagram, just like all of your clients aren't going to come from referrals. We need to make sure that people around you know who you are, what you do, who you help and how you help them. Does ALP get the same marketing content that ProPath gets? They get very, most of it is the same because but we- I'm, I'm, talking, about the, I'm talking about the done, the done for you stuff. Oh, um, they do. They do. So I, I didn't touch on that. So we have created an enormous done for you marketing content piece that covers- uh, blog posts, Instagram, LinkedIn posts, uh, real suggestions for Instagram. We, spoiler alert, we are going to have some email copy coming out. Thanks to Nick. Um, but we have it and it's essentially something that coaches or gym owners can take and use. And you're going to be looking at it and the changes you're going to be making is if you're a single coach, you're going to make sure that you say I, instead of we, and you know, you help dozens of people or have helped dozens of people as opposed to a gym who may have helped hundreds. So there's, there's small nuances. And when Mary's talking about this, what, what she's describing is, is not a tutorial. It is the literal posts that you are going to be able to make as you move through the education. So that for people out there who are uncomfortable creating their own content, we've already created it for you. All you need to do is put it through your own branding machine, put your colors on it, put your font on it. And if you want to edit the copy that goes in captions or emails, you're welcome to, but it's done. You don't need to hire a media team. You don't need to feel overwhelmed by what do I post to social media this week? What do I talk about? It's done. So I want to move hey, from Sean, here. Yes, Sean, can I, can I add something there? Yeah. Um, so. A lot of the people that I interact with in ALP um, and the content that I've written and created for, so like a lot of the breathwork stuff is it's kind of on the front end ish of the curriculum, and then navigating healthcare is like the end. It's it's the the very end. Navigating healthcare being the end of the core curriculum. Yes, yes, correct. And what I've noticed is that those people who, you know, those ALPs who are working their way into breath work, they communicate in a certain way. It's much more elementary. It's, it's a lot more vague. 
uh, sort of like references in the things that they, they're speaking about. It's kind of like they're getting their feet under them. But by the time they make it to navigating healthcare, <clears throat> the way that they communicate about their business and the things that they're doing and the questions that they are asking are categorically different. And oftentimes that comes back to ethical sales and it comes back to marketing. Because by the time they get there, they're crystal clear on exactly who they're helping. And so that helps them to ask questions that are more relevant to the people that they are working with individually. It's, it's like marketing helps them to understand what they need to say. And ethical sales gives them the, the lens and the emotional intelligence to know how to say it so that they can communicate much more effectively. And so those, those two things that kind of feel like they're divorced from being this person that fills the gap between fitness and healthcare, that's just operating as a tactician, they very much add to the overall value and the experience of every single person that ends up working with them as their active life professional. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you added that. One of the things I was talking this this past week with some people about was the idea of what kind of content gets a ton of eyeballs as compared to what kind of content gets the right eyeballs. And I look out into the marketplace and I'm like, there are some people out there doing incredible, incredible content that is educational, proving that it can be done. Uh, the two best examples I can think of who are doing this are Move You and Knees Over Toes Guy. Both of them create great, visually pleasing, entertaining content. The question I ask myself is, are they going after the same client that an ALP would be going after? Are they going after the same client that Active Life is going after? And the answer I keep on landing on is no. And the reason for that is, I don't believe that that kind of content gets the attention of the hospital administrator. I don't believe that that kind of content gets the attention of the corporate wellness director. I don't believe that kind of content has a gym owner saying, I can apply this to everybody in my space. And I don't think that it does everything it needs to do for personal training clients. Now, that being said, it's outstanding content. And what you're speaking to, Lance, with what you were just describing is as the ALP candidates move through the education, they start to learn better. What are the words I should use? What are the ways I should be connecting with people? How do I say less and accomplish more? And that comes through the combination of gaining education that's tactical and gaining education that's marketable and gaining education that's sales. I'll give a really simple example. I've been speaking recently with one of the largest employers on the East Coast, over 80,000 employees in this company. And the question is, how do you get their attention in the first place? They didn't find me on Instagram. They didn't find me on LinkedIn. That's not how any of it happened. It started with an email. Well, what should that email say? What's a, what should the subject line be? How long should it be to read? What's the ask? What's the offer? All of that comes from understanding the things that we teach in the navigating healthcare course. So you know who your audience is. And then it comes from marketing, which is this, this is an email. This is not going to be a post. This is not going to be a story. It's not going to be a reel. 
And then it's sales. What do you say when you get their attention? And so it speaks to what you're describing there, that all of these things actually need to be married for any of them to work. Um, one thing I'll, I'll add there that I think is really important to note is that I think is one of the really cool parts about ALP is that, yes, it's 13 months, but we believe people learn best by doing. And so you're doing throughout the entire time. Month one, you're doing stuff that you're learning to do on month one. You might not be learning a lot or doing a lot of the things you're going to learn in navigating healthcare down the line with plants, but you are learning how to solve a lot of the problems and doing it right away month one. Um, it's the same with the marketing, right? So you're learning to market and sell right away. And what we're talking about here is both teaching you how to fish and giving you a fish until you've learned how, right? So we've got to give you the done for you stuff that Mary's talking about in order to get you doing this thing while still teaching you how to fish for yourself so that you're not dependent on that forever. And all of this comes through doing. What you're speaking to there, I want people to understand is it's a 13 month long core curriculum. We're going to talk about in a moment here, what comes next that starts earning ROI right away. It's not as if one of the things that people ask all the time is when will I be able to start using it? And the answer is the first day. One of the things that always frustrated me was taking education that I graduated and say, okay, how do I, how do I use this now? We want you using it as you move through it. And if you use it as you move through it, you're going to start attracting a different kind of client. And if you start attracting a different kind of client, you're going to start charging a different kind of rate. And if you're charging a different rate, attracting a different client, providing a different service, you're going to start to see your career change gradually. And by the time that it's all over, you're going to look back and be like, I used to do that. That's wild. And so it all happens as you go through it. This is not repeat. You know what? No. This is a course that makes you money as you go through it. It makes you a different professional as you go through it. And you have to be the one you are today to become the one you're going to be tomorrow. Mary, in, in the few minutes that we have left, what's coming next? Because, because so, be, be, let, me, let, me, let me set you up a little bit there. Sure. It used to be a 13-week course that's now 8, 8%, of what we do. And that is going to become an even smaller number because we're going to be adding to what we do. Yeah. What, what is coming next and how is it going to, uh, how is it going to work with the core curriculum? Meaning are people going to have to, now is it going to be an 18 month course, a 24 month course? How is that going to work? So we see the core curriculum as the base. You have to accomplish this to become the active life professional we aren't going to be changing that to make it an 18 month course. Right. Not, we believe that said. 13. Hmm? You said are not, we are not right. right. We, that 13 month is that sweet spot of delivering the content at somewhat of an aggressive pace for some people so that you're also implementing. Right. Cause like you said, you're not just learning, but when it comes to the end of that, we, we know, even though you've been implementing along the way, you're likely still needing implementation support. So mentorship can continue and should continue at that point because there is just so much to continue to uncover. Additionally, we know people are going to want to and should specialize in certain areas. So there will be specialty courses available only 
to ALP graduates. So just like when we first launched Breathwork, you couldn't just get Breathwork. You had to do the core curriculum. When we launch our specialty courses, you can't just get a specialty course. You have to be an active life professional to sign up for those courses. And then additionally, this is something that we believe strongly. You need to retain and and keep up with your education just like you do in other high-level professions. So there will be the requirement for continuing education upon graduation as well. And we're going to make it so that the continuing education does not have to be with us, but we're also going to create the environment in which it's easy and desirable for you to do it with us. For sure. Uh, Some of the specialties that we've been bouncing around to give you an idea here, I'm going to say it because I'm the guy who can say it, make a mistake and then say, oh, we changed our mind. Um, some of the specialties that we've been thinking about, and I would love your input. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I would love to learn about this, please send me a DM at Dr. Sean Pesuch on Instagram and, and let me know your thoughts. Even if you're just telling me your thoughts on the ones that I'm going to share with you right now that we have been bouncing around. None of these are final. None of them have curriculum built. None of them have been filmed. They're just things that we've talked about. We've talked about the idea of doing our own uh, athletic rehabilitation kind of course, which is how we started working with athletes who wanted to get back onto the field or back into their sport. Uh, We've talked about the idea of pre and postpartum. We've talked about the idea of nutrition. We've talked about the idea of working with elderly patients, people who are of, of older age groups. Those are some of the inflammatory diseases there. The list goes on and on and on. And I would love to hear from you what you believe would be valuable from us because of what you've seen and said, I, I don't know what to do with this. So if you can send me a DM and let me know, uh, that would be outstanding. Anything that I didn't, oh, one more thing, Mary, I would love for you to share is the way that things are delivered. Because people often ask like, how do I get this? Like if I can't make that time, if I don't, how do they receive the information? We have an online platform that they're going to watch all of the pre-recorded video content That is also where they are going to take quizzes to make sure that they understand the content and submit assignments to make sure that they have an understanding and are implementing. This is where we actually check the box and say, we're not just going to assume that you can do this. We want to actually see that you're doing it. And then we have a team of assignment evaluators and mentors who are staying on top of them as they go through that coursework. In addition to that, they are meeting with their mentor regularly. And so they are having that one-on-one video FaceTime conversation with their mentor as they go through the coursework. And then in addition to that, they have the option of going to subject matter expert calls throughout the week. So Monday through Thursday, we have calls on sales, marketing, programming, uh, and business and financial literacy. And then finally, they're I can't even say finally, because I'll probably spew off three more things, but there's the community call where they can get together with the other active life professional candidates who are going through the program, share wins, get continued education with guest speakers. And that those things also happen in our Slack channel. So we just have, a, we have a private community where questions are answered, wins are shared. Um, it can be super random to really complicated questions that come up. And so they're going to be looking at an online platform for the video recordings. They're going to be looking at Zoom to be having video calls with either their mentor or going to special uh, 
subject matter calls. And then Slack. They're going to be having conversations in Slack. One of the things I'm, I'm proud of is the network of people outside of our company who we've been able to foster relationships with who come on and support our ALPs in their they calls. I mean, we've had Marcus Philly come on. We've had Stu Brower come on. We've had Lori Christine King come on. I'm trying to think of who else we've had, and I'm just drawing a blank, but we've brought the who's who of this industry into calls with our ALP candidates. And these are people who have experienced uh, some kind of value in their life as a, as a result of being associated with, with active life. And they feel compelled to come on and support our candidates, which I think is really cool. Anything any of you feel like we need to add that we didn't discuss today? This is pretty in-depth. So is, is there anything left that we didn't talk about? I'm in my little list and so far so good. Let's go around the horn. Lance, give us a thumbs up. Larry looks like he's staring off into space. I don't know if he's thinking about something or watching a weirdo across the street at the supermarket. Nick gave me a thumbs up. Uh, you gave me two fingers, Larry, which could mean both or it could mean peace. So both. Okay. Mary, anything else for you to cover? Yeah. I mean, not, not today, but I feel like we barely scratched the surface of all of the content that is in ALP. We like, we didn't even get to talk about navigating healthcare that much. And everyone's probably least favorite thing is business and financial literacy, which I teach. So I try not to take it personally, but that's something too. So I just, maybe we need a, uh, a follow-up on going more in depth into some of the courses. Uh, email Sheila, please. I would love to have that podcast with you where we just basically go through the curriculum. Yeah, cool. Uh, Larry, you had two fingers up. That means both. It means there was something weird going on outside and there was something for you to add. First and foremost, what was weird going on no, the, outside? Uh, I'm not going to, it's outside the scope of this conversation to talk about what was weird outside. People aren't going to want to hear it. I'm not going to speak about that. Uh, <laughs> the second finger was that I was thinking about something, but uh, I got nothing. Everyone here crushed it. Okay. So you're going to be able to find everybody who's on this call by going to the show notes. We're going to link all of their Instagram accounts. You should follow all of them. You should follow Mary. You should follow Lance. You should follow Larry. You should follow Nick. Uh, you should follow me. We're fun. We put decent content out. Go ahead and follow us. Uh, also, as I mentioned in the intro, there is going to be a PDF that's going to be attached to, or a PDF, a, a living document. It's going to be attached to this podcast. So if you'd like to see the course outline for ALP, you're going to be able to see not only what the titles of the courses are, but a brief description of all of them. And if you are interested in scheduling a call to find out if a career change to ALP is a good fit for you, we're going to include a call link where you can go ahead and book a call at a time that is convenient for you and convenient for a team member to get on the phone, get on Zoom, and walk you through it and identify if you're a fit or if we should be referring you somewhere else. Until next time, turn pro. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Life Podcast. Remember, if you feel inspired by our vision to humanize the healthcare industry, professionalize the fitness industry, and empower individuals to live their lives, to reclaim their physical freedom, to develop careers, helping people reclaim their physical freedom. All you need to do is head to activelifeprofessional.com, find the appropriate link that represents you, and get in contact. We'll see you there.